Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Don't fry your foods, ladies and gentlemen. Stay healthy. Whoa. Eat your vegetables. Eat your beans. Don't break wind and listen to Game of Bones. It's a podcast you're listening to no, right you can now. break wind. You can totally break wind. Okay. You can break wind. You know, Walter Frey and Tywin Lannister would both eat beans and they would both, would both break wind. Just don't do it if you're dating someone because no. that could lead to disaster in the bedroom, guys. No one wants that. Jon Snow wouldn't want it. There's websites for that kind of stuff. Hey there, Georgie girl. Who the hell is he talking to? You talk, it's the secret. Do, do, do we have a new host? Is that like a reference to George R. R. Martin? Uh, yeah, Georgie girl, Uncle no, Uncle Faye, Uncle Faye, she's here, swinging down the street, so fancy free. Nobody you could meet. Oh, nobody you meet <laughs> could <laughs> ever see. Just to be clear, he, he messed up that line, guys, and he just brought up the lyrics on the screen. So just getting that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week we're hanging out with Jon Snow. He's at the wall. Uh, his his hand is hurt. He helped save the children. Uh, he didn't. He helped save the old bear, which is kind of like children, depending on what kind of fantasy tale that you're reading. But this week we're reading a Game of Thrones, so it's just a bear, and that's that. He's the old bear. Old bear. Also like known as Dad by Big Sir Bear. Big Bear. Berenstein Bear. He is, he's Sir Jorah's daddy. And so in this, in this uh, particular chapter that we're reading, John's hanging out with him already. It's an introduction. They're chilling. It's probably Friday there, too, if we want to be honest. And he's just, like, gruffly talking to him about, like, semantics. Like, hey, did you get any crows? And <laughs> and uh, the old bear's like, yeah, I got some crows. And John's kind of looking at him expectantly. He's like, listen, man, uh, if there was anything that had to do with you, I would have told you already. I've done this a few times. And so John's like, okay. And he's like, well, don't be sad. I made you this sword. So don't say anything nice to me because just take it. Just enjoy your sword. Long claw. That's a Western sound to it. Long claw. Hey there, long claw. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> I don't think the song is going to work as well, though. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> what a bitchin' name for a sword. Now, as described, this is not quite like ice, which is a two-hander, but it's described as a one-and-a-half-hander. Yeah, it's called a hand and a half sword, and it brings me back to my Dungeon and Dragon days growing up. And uh, hand and a half sword is that when you have power. to allocate <laughs> each like you have to allocate each half of a hand that your characters are currently using just to determine whether or not they're going to get away safely from a skirmish. Well, hand and hand and a half sword, you can still carry a shield like a medium shield. You can't quite carry the the giant large portrait style ones, but you oh, can still carry like a like a Hylian shield. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 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 So for you guys listening and Eric, uh, a little bit of imagery here, a bastard sword, like a hand and a half sword. If you guys have seen Lord of the Rings, Narsal, which is later called Anduril, the Flame of the West, that is a bastard sword. You know how like Aragorn sometimes fights with one hand, but there's just enough hilt where he can grab it and get like double slicing. That's what it is. I knew that you could make this clearer for me, that Zach. Thank you. <laughs> I just like swords. <laughs> I was reading this. I was like, I really need to ask Zach what the hell's going on with this bastard sword. You always tie it to Lord of the Rings, which I find interesting because there is such a deep connection there with uh, the author. Oh, you mean like how his name's the exact same name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we're going to pick at different things. <laughs> no, but I, I was uh, surprised because even though it's called a bastard sword, it's not. that's not why uh, oh, the Big Bear – gives uh the sword to the bastard that was a really um, cool tie-in though don't you think yeah 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 it's 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 very clever this this whole chapter is pretty clever and you know we call um <clears throat> myself the king of transitioning but i i feel strongly that you know the fact that the next chapter in this book chronologically is a, Daener a daenerys chapter is 
a, a really great transition, not only for the very, uh, the reveal at the end of this chapter, which I won't spoil now, but the fact that we mentioned, you know, Jorah. And he talks about how the long claw was Jorah's sword, you know, was given to Big Bear by his father and his father and his father and went to Jorah. But when Jorah was disgraced, he left it behind. He had, he had enough, he had enough sense to leave it behind. That's a pretty like bro move. Like here, dad, I realize I messed up. Take your sword back. And, and, but apparently he took it back and then put it in like a closet or somewhere, like a closet he forgot he had. And then when his cabin burned down, he realized, oh shit, there's that sword. So the sword has officially come out of the closet and they've repaired it. <laughs> and it was really great because, you know, just like last chapter uh, today, we have sort of the same situation where it was brilliantly depicted in the series on screen. And the entire exchange between Old Bear and the sword pretty much happened the same way it did in the book, where John was thinking, like, I really wanted to have my dad's sword, but I realized that that's not possible because it, it goes to Rob. So mm. he's kind of getting that feeling from Old Bear now. And he's thinking, he's like thinking to himself over and over, he's not my father. He's not my father. Thanks, Dad. Except he doesn't say it. He just thinks it out loud <laughs> a little bit. And so we he gets the sword, but it's it's like brilliantly crafted for him. There's new leather and there's a badass wolf on there. Like a, a sword like folded many, many times with old school Valyrian steel. Like in Game of Thrones, it's just sort of equivalent when they find the mithril chainmail shirt. And Gimli's like, that's some badass shit. You might want to hold on to that. It's kind of the same thing because it's it's aged and it's like it's the best thing for killing people. Now, did it particularly now correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, fire, they're really harking on the the reason that Mormont um, Big Bear is giving John the sword is because he's 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 sort of trying to repay the debt of having, you know, John having saved his life and also thinking so quickly with the fire to, to defeat these white walkers or not white walkers, but you know, the, the, the whites, the, the, yeah, the, the, the whites. Um, so I, you know, I was just trying to think of, you know, if this sword will have any particular advantage over the whites in the future, if it's just, you know, a pretty damn cool sword to have. I don't know. Mike probably knows more. Yeah, but I don't want to spoil anything. So, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, the fact that it's Valyrian steel, uh, I guess that, well, it, you know, it's said later when the boys are kind of like, dude, show us your sword. Um, but not, not, not like normally, yeah. you know, show us the sword <laughs> yeah. that Big Bear gave us. Show us the sword, yeah. <laughs> and the other kid, I think it's Pip, No, isn't it? I want Says, to see that sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sam. Um, oh, Sam, I knew you were here with us. No, 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 but Pip, Pip is talking about the Valyrian, some, like some guy tried to shave with a Valyrian uh, knife and accidentally cut his own head off. It's such bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow. That is some good shit. Shake your spinal cord is Pip. Valyrian steel is some serious shit. And honestly, I think this is like a great, you know, he's still honored by it. Of course, Jon Snow has that little inner monologue about being confused um, because he, you know, he, he wanted the ice. But, you know, I think overall that was a great way to start the chapter with this badass guy giving Jon this badass sword. No, it's absolutely awesome. I think that Really what George was putting across in this chapter is that he sees John as a son now, sort of. Like, John did a huge yeah. solid for him, and he doesn't really have his own son on the wall. And there's so much inner dialogue about how the men on the wall are family now. Mm -hmm. So John has sort of taken that place. And so when he's leaving his tower and he's walking down to, um, I don't know, just to hang out, I guess... The guys that are the guarding, they're no longer giving John shit like everybody had given John shit before. One guy even goes as far as to say, good job, Snow. You earned that. And mm. that's a big deal. Thank you, Pokemon, for completing that reference and making that memorable. 
Yes. Uh, now John got on the bike. He wrote it down. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, ra- no random <laughs> encounters. I forget how the bicycle theme goes. The bicicleta. It did not happen. Uh, but it was really funny because all of his friends downtown in the, in the little uh, town square, if you will, outside of the tower was like, yeah, we knew about it, but we wanted it to be a surprise. And they all kind of had their own hand in helping shape the sword. I mean, some of them went as far as sculpting the stone hilt. The, yeah. For the wolf head. And I just thought that was such a sweet moment because, like I said, he'd been getting so much shit, but now he's, like, earned his place and all of these people respect him for sort of the warrior and the leader that he is. There's also this, like, almost untouched on foreboding. I, well, I don't want to say it's almost untouched on because obviously it's there enough to notice it. But, you know, Big Bear was talking about um, the fact that, that they had forgotten, you know, how to get rid of those guys, like 8,000 years forgotten. But then he's like, oh, if nobody remembers, you know, who will remember but us? The Night's Watch. And so Jon Snow is, is come into his own with, you know, by getting this sword as being like the, the, some kind of, you know, doesn't it just show him like being a warrior against these guys in the future, essentially? Cause he's been rewarded for his first success against them when everybody else was like, how do we even handle That's this? That's why I think it's such a big moment and why you have this great relationship developing between Jon and Mormont. But more importantly, John and everybody else. And I think Mormont sees in him the ability to lead and the ability to have somebody there who's almost the equivalent of a second in command, even if he's not going to be bestowing all of this power upon John just yet. Like he's slowly beginning to do the things that will allow John to assume some sort of important role later on. And the first step in that is by giving him this sword. And we can't forget that Mormont also sent. Alistair Thorne away as a solid to John. Like he made an excuse. He was like, he's going to take this hand to the court and say, this is why we need more guys on the wall. But even he voiced it. He was like, also, I wanted to put some distance between you two. Like you've earned your spot and I don't want you to have to deal with any more shit. Like you did in the mess hall that one day, man. I hope, yeah, no, I agree with you, Zach, but I also was thinking that that was a pretty cool deed to have to go in front of, sure. The boy King, but just be like, look at this hand. Okay. This tried to kill us after it died. Like, here is why we need people. Like, you can't argue with this dead, then reanimated, then dead hand. He hands it to the hand of the king. Here, show your king this. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Take this hand. The hand is Tywin, and you'd probably have his horse poop on it. Take this hand, hand. But yeah, yeah, like, seriously, it's a badass hand. Like, it's it's also, like, just crazy. No one can comprehend. No one alive today in the Game of Thrones universe can comprehend, like, what that actually means, that there is reanimated corpses and you know john's been having these dreams that he's like actually slaying his father's corpse like that has been reanimated and i i just don't even know what to think of like coming books as a result of like the beginning of this chapter i do it's called baylor wait does ned come back as a snow zombie well no actually what happened is varus he switched out ned before baylor and ned's really alive and plotting his return are you serious that with jfk too no, I'm completely making that up right now. It's well, not, has, this has no basis in truth whatsoever. Though a popular theory, I'm sure, on some forums. But yeah, no, that's that doesn't happen. But then we see Sam for a little while in this chapter, right? Hi, guys? Sam. Eric. It's Eric. Sam's not real. He's a f- fictional character. Sam left. Oh. oh. He left five minutes ago. He went to he go heard play that there with wasn't going to be. Yeah, he's sharpening John's sword. <laughs> Larian still needs maintenance, guys. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it does. Sam sort of spilled the beans early on. He was reading some of Maester Eamon's mail, 
And that's not cool. That's like logging into your like significant other's email. And so he was like, Mr. Amon. Are you, are you saying, saying everything Mr. Amon is Sam's I'm just other? saying it wasn't cool for him to do. And Mr. Amon called him out on it. And so with his scary presence of being old and wise, Sam was like, yeah, and I told John too. So Amon's like, listen, I'm going to need to see John over here in my tower for a minute. And so Sam's like, John, Mr. Amon needs to see you. John's like, Sam, you dimwit. And so... He hurries up to Maester Eamon's place, and he is forced to hold this bucket. And he's showing every bit of his resolve by holding this bucket full of meat with the burned hand. And he's slowly feeding these crows as Eamon tells him about these special ravens that Mm -hmm. don't like fruit. And they don't like corn. Like, my ravens prefer meat. And he has a great bit of imagery here where he says... Ravens are a lot like people, you know, they're very different in their personalities. They're very strong and crows are sort of like their weak cousins. So that's why the people in the strong North often refer to the men at the wall as crows because they see themselves as the, as the greater Northerners, you know, I was just wondering if these Ravens were, uh, from Baltimore. They might have been actually, that's probably why they were eating the flesh of their young. Some Kaepernick. They they murdered two crows on their way there. But it's such an uh, insightful conversation that happens between John and Maester Eamon. It's like, you know, two Targaryens having a conversation with each other. Wow. Wow. That was that was but, that wasn't subtle at all, was it? But in this chapter, Micah, George sort of went out of his way to talk about just how much the fire hurt the shit out of John. Yeah. Yeah, That's Micah, true. anyway. You know what anyway, I'm Micah. Yeah. I, I so I think that that is bollocks. I don't think that he's a Targaryen. That's what I think. Yeah. John was writhing in pain, crying in his bed like a little bitch Where no one could see his him. sword because of that fire. He was having a dream. Like the, the fire hurt him so much he started having dreams about the fire. <laughs> think about it. He saw Mr. That's Weasley a, getting eaten by point. a snake. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Crossing genres. But okay, all joking aside with with the Targaryen mention earlier, I, I think it's insightful because here you have somebody who clearly is is visually impaired, but yet can see so deeply into all of the people that are around him, and he has such a great sense for character and drive. And what is bothering John at this moment, Maester Aemon seems to understand better. And more clearly than anybody else. He, he also was like prognosticating a little bit because he was talking about the choices that, that John is going to have to make soon. Like I, I, I felt like with the passage of time, because time is, is weird because I feel like it's been a really long time since the last Jon Snow episode, even though this is, this is of course, you know, taking place right after the, the, the battle with the, the white. But yeah, I, I had a feeling that. Master Eamon was going to tell John that his father had been put to death, even though we had yet to see that in the other chapters. You know, just because he was going on about having to choose between family, like real family and and, and this family, and whether or not he could leave. Although, I, I guess my question is, I mean, he really couldn't leave, right? Because that's a traitor's, you know, thing to do is to leave the wall. But Eamon was still trying to prepare him, and it, it just seemed like he was spooking him, or trying to spook him about, you know, having to make Different choices. Of course, what comes of it is Eamon's own personal story, which is fascinating. He was testing John's resolve because he knows that John's going to want to ride with his brother to protect the rest of his family. 
So he's basically like saying, John, you know, you could or you couldn't. It kind of shapes the kind of man that you are. But now that you took the oath, we are brothers of the Night's Watch and this is your family. And John's like, you don't understand. You know, even though I'm a bastard, they're still my family and I love them. And he's like, well, I do understand. And he goes on to say all the hardships that he's went through. And John literally looks at him and says, who are you? <laughs> and then and then in true James Fenimore Cooper style, he pulls his mask off and says, I'm the last of the Targaryens. <laughs> I actually was the true heir before I took the black. Well, he's not <laughs> really the last of the Targaryens. Well, no, 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 no. But he would be if it weren't for the person whose chapter is the next. But still, isn't it a huge reveal, though? You're kind of downplaying this. Like, he's – okay, but he's the only Targaryen, I should say, even though there is Daenerys. He's the only Targaryen who's connected to it all. I, I want to say even directly, but just because he's old enough to remember. Danny is not old enough to remember. Everything she thinks she knows – came from her brother and, you know, Master Lirio and all the stories and stuff like that. Not to say that, you know, her her feeling entitled is misplaced. It's not. But, you know, Master Amon, who's long since, you know, hidden himself, I guess, up here, it's probably worked to his advantage because he seems to have been forgotten by everybody else. But he has memory and by memory has power, not to mention the enormous um, obstacle that he's overcome with his sight – that he seems like if the Targaryen should ever rise, say Danny actually gets across the sea with her dragons and resumes power, like Aemon would make an awesome, or I should say, bitchin' hand of the king or queen in this case, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think so? Like he'd be able to direct their future with the way that the Targaryens, besides um, the Mad One, would have wanted it to to be directed. But that would kind of make everything that he said in this chapter false though because he just kept going on and on about having to see all this and from the beginning when the andals came and took over the old men you know seeing all of these different shifts in power happening but yet the one constant throughout history has been the men of the wall staying neutral and fighting only for the safety of everyone else that's true but i i see the wall maybe not even falling but i see that the the men of the night's watch and the men ruling the seven kingdoms like in king's landing i i feel like they're going to come together because they're going to have either a common enemy or maybe like a faction from king's landing who's trying to maintain power will have to go north for some reason and i don't know what it is but and this is like a a pretty grand uh theory but i i just feel like amon without having to leave the the black uh, will somehow be in a good position to assist whoever's uh, the king to like, I don't know, now I'm just getting crazy. No, but. I definitely feel like they should. And that, that goes a lot to the theme that we've been talking about in recent episodes where it's out with the old and with the new. The world's different now. We need to be able to address the new challenges that are here. And I definitely think that he spent the entire book saying how crumbling the watch is and the way it has been and, and that there is a need for a change. And I think that Mormont thinks the same thing too, which is why he's entrusting so much of this power into Jon Snow unofficially so early on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, they'll realize soon enough, although I think still that the um, end of season two of the TV show was misleading in terms of the like how quickly we're going to get some payoff with the White Walkers based on little hints that Mike and Selena have left. I don't think it'll happen for a long time, but eventually they'll realize that they have this huge enemy to the north and all the seven kingdoms may unite. For a condom, common enemy. Did I say condom enemy? Common enemy. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I agree with this. All those condom enemies. A condom enemy would be Walter Frey. He just doesn't believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my own of the show. Uh, Eric's 
uh, Condom Enemy reference. I think that's going to be the one that I pick. Oh, God. Nice. Um, but before I get to mine, I, I like, Eric, what you brought up before, and it kind of got uh, you know touched on really quickly, but it was the fact that this is such a huge reveal. Yeah, I remember watching the show and not having read the book yet, and learning that this was a that that, that Aemon was a Targaryen, and it, 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 you, you pause for a second, you say, okay, well now we finally have that first tie to Dar- to Daenerys and her family. We have another living relative. How many others could possibly be out there that are just you know chilling out that mm-hmm. we don't know about? I think it was a it was a big reveal. It was a massive reveal. I mean, I, I just assumed they were all dead. Like, Robert made a point to hunt them all down, didn't he? Clearly, he didn't take them all out. Mm. Mm. He didn't He didn't go up the family tree. He only went down it. <laughs> hey, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah. The reveal. I mean, that's just an own in and of itself. Just just the schooling that Eamon gives to John towards the end of this chapter. And the fact that he presents him with the choice. He said, look... You're faced with the same choice I was. Do you stick with your family and ride off to defend them? Or do you stay here and honor the vows that you took, right? Yeah, yeah. So what kind of decision would you guys make, listeners? What decision would you make? Would you stay? Stay true to your oaths, unlike Waldor Frey and Walda, one of his many daughters. Very similar names, if you caught that. Or... (laughs) Would you ride south and not ride back as John does and then later turns back, which is something I wouldn't have done? Would you go for it or would you just let it slip? I'd probably ride out. I mean, I just want some warmth. want some damn warmth. It's warmer down there. It makes sense. I would have. I would have. I would have gone for Ned. Under penalty of death? Ned. I would have as well. I mean, the, the, it's penalty Shit of death. Shit could be overturned. Yeah, it's so it's so questionable right now. Like, the kingdoms, everything is changing so much. I just don't believe that these tired old vows and oaths make any difference when when everything is moving so quickly, you know? Mm, yeah. Perhaps, but, but literally, if anybody was on Jon Snow's bad side, they could kill him and get away with it under in the eyes of any court. Because they could just be like, oh yeah, deserter. Kill him. Like, you know, if any single one of the following conversations he would have with anybody he met on the entire path to King's Landing, including when he went to get and try and help and free Ned, you know, anybody, literally anybody, even his own brother would have been justified in killing him if he wanted to. That's a terrible – that's a hard position to be in or to put yourself into. Like, you, you, like leaving the wall, you have a target painted on your face like from day one. It's hard to manage. I think for me, it's hard to imagine anybody managing any political sway when someone can take an arrow to you and be justified in doing so. But they do that shit anyway. <laughs> what? They do it anyway. They don't give a shit whether you're a deserter or not. They're going to freaking mess you up, even on the King's Road. That's true, but like – I beggar can pull see... out of AK-49. AK-40 sword. Yeah, if it's not yeah. outlawed by them. It would get crazy up in there. Now there's an assault swords ban, I heard. Yeah, no bastard swords allowed. <laughs> if you have a bastard sword, you're not allowed to be a lord. It has to be two-handed, nothing less, nothing more. Only wholesome swords, family swords wholesome, for all ages. Family-oriented swords, but sex, sex is okay as long as there's not any violence or dirty words. Sex is totally okay. Yeah. Um, my own, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I, I attribute it to Pip. Um, Pip is in this exchange. Pip. It actually comes from Toad. Pip, short for Pippin? No, because there's a Y. Couldn't be at all the same thing. Couldn't be. Couldn't be. Uh, Toad says, I heard of a man who had a razor made of Valyrian steel. 
He cut his head off trying to shave. Mm. Pip, Pip grinned. The Night's Watch is thousands of years old, but I'll wager Lord Snow is the first brother ever honored for burning down the Lord Commander's Tower. <laughs> uh, I'm so. going to have to toss my own by way of the Raven hanging out bothering everyone repeating corn, all of their corn. lines <laughs> holy shit that sounded crazy uh, uh yeah it was basically the raven was trolling and he won the own of the show for my myself tap tap tapping at the chamber door asking for corn never more never more <laughs> quote the raven <laughs> well if uh, you would like to submit your owns for this particular chapter please do so by uh, tweeting at us at Game of Owns, or you can uh, post on our Facebook wall. What a uh, what a funny parallel it is that we talked about the wall, and you have to actually chisel your post into our Facebook wall for this particular chapter. Yeah, so once again, please full screen your browser, Internet Explorer, which is might be what you're using. Uh, take one screwdriver. You don't need a chisel. They don't really make those very much anymore unless you're one of those art kids. And a rubber mallet, you might have that. And just go ahead and just scratch your name right into the surface of our wall, and we'll appreciate it. Uh, Zach, what you said there reminds me of that commercial for the Nintendo Wii where the guy, like, doesn't use his strap and throws the remote into the TV and the TV smashes because you're telling people to chisel into their computers. You got that, did you, Eric? Yeah. (laughs) I got that. I feel smart. I feel intelligent. You know, it's Friday. I'm going to go have a really intelligent weekend. I'm going to come back next week. <laughs> say a really intelligent drink. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Friday, so now it means uh, most of the Broherum, a.k.a. a bunch of my friends, are are gathered in the city that I live in, and there's supposed to be some bad things happening. I wonder if I'll be able to report in on Monday's episode. We shall see. Ooh. Perhaps too much mead will be drinking. Perhaps some warmed mead by the fire and we'll be stoked toward the embers. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Maybe there will be some warm me by the fire, Zach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll leave that to the listeners to decide. There's an email if you oh, want to God. keep your responses to that private. It's contact at com. But not, uh, not in inappropriate contact. Not only, inappropriate contact. Only appropriate contact. Yeah, you need to be able to leave room for Jesus right between you guys. This is like a school dance. <laughs> So be be safe and be careful. Also, Hypeable, it's a website. Uh, our episodes are posted on there. They're sort of like brothers and sisters to us. We're like the Targaryen family before they were killed. We're in bed with each other. That's just how <laughs> it happens. It's Hypeable. It's a website. Check it out. And, of course, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, it is that platform which you download our show on thrice weekly. Uh, nothing less than five stars is acceptable uh, during the month of February. So uh, if you try to do anything less than five stars, iTunes will just delete itself off of your laptop or mobile device or desktop. And I get a better one. Well, okay. Let's hear it. We will shave you with long claw. <laughs> Actually, some people might like that. What if we have a bald listener? Well, there's uh, other things that we can share. Are, are they bald completely? I don't know. Not yet. Let's just say they'll have a close shave with long claw. There we okay. go. That's dangerous, guys. Sounds, but in, but in all sincerity, uh, you know, it, it, it the the big thing about reviews, and I know Zach, you brought this up before, is that it, it's really helpful for other people who may be interested in a podcast like this. So when they go and they read things, um, good or semi-critical it's it's just helpful for them and it helps the show grow and if you want to help the show grow to the size of brienne of tarth then uh keep uh keep up your reviews 
That's a huge bitch. <laughs> also an additional incentive. Uh, any five-star reviews given to us in the month of February will result in the four of us taking each of you out on a separate Valentine's Day. Uh, no. Paid, I can't for, I'm paid for in full by Eric Skull. So oh, oh, wow. <laughs> if you'd like to go and hang out with us and eat some nice uh, heart-filled candy boxes together in uh, hors d'oeuvres, if you will. Then Can I go too? Sam's coming along, guys. It's going to be a five. I don't know the word for that. That sounds cool, but it's going to be a good time, and we're excited to do it with you. Does Eric have to wear clothes? Eric never wears clothes. It's my secret. No. Just fishnet. <laughs> Eric, fishnet or nothing less. Oh, yeah. Also, Eric's going to be wearing fishnet, so there's that. So there is that. Check that shit out. It's Friday. We're Game of Owns. That's our names. We don't have names anymore. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm Micah. I am Zach. And I'm Sam. There he is, everybody. He's here. I'm Selena. Yes, he is. Not really. (laughs) 